Another scripted conversation with Paula, Bruce, and Randy. I think the question tonight and the question we get most often from being on a lot of other podcasts and talking to people about the scripted book is where do you start? Like it's very overwhelming of all the different things that you might have to do. So if you're a classroom teacher or any educator, you know, where would be the place that you would start to create media either with your classroom or if you're doing it for the school and producing something, like where is the best place to start? And I think sometimes that's a bit of a stumbling block before people get going is it can be overwhelming to see all these other things that are produced and say, I'm not really sure how I'm going to do that with my students. So um, that's what I want to talk about tonight with you of kind of how we started and then give people some suggestions where they could start. Great. And especially right now with all the remote uh, learning, a lot of people uh, are really just kind of having to wing it anyway. And um, so I guess let's start with remote learning right now, Bruce, because that's what really primarily you're doing. And in the past, you know, both of us, we've had studios in our school and now we're not able to use them. So um, why don't you tell maybe this year, like in a way you kind of had to start over. So how did you do that? Yeah, no, definitely. And starting over is a good way to put it. I know a lot of teachers, if you're in your first year, 10th year, 20th year, it doesn't matter. Everybody kind of feels like a first year teacher this year because the dynamic is so different and it can also change from week to week or day to day whether you're fully in school, hybrid, fully remote. So it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's a little bit tricky, but I think the best place to start always is to start small and start with the type of project that, you know, your students could do getting their feet wet. Um, and the best way to start from them at home is if they're lucky enough to have a Chromebook, they could use that microphone or camera. And I think one of the positives of working at home is they might have other equipment that they could use, such as their cell phone, which I know with my students, a lot of times their cell phone camera and microphone is better than their Chromebook camera and microphone. So that would be like a hardware place to start mm -hmm. with, start with exactly what you have or what the student may have at home. And then the curriculum part of starting is just start with something simple. I think people get too grandiose of like what they're going to plan in the beginning instead of doing something very, very small. So this year I've actually started um, all my TV production courses. And this is something you could do in any curriculum area just with a six word story. So come up with a six word sentence that tells some type of story. And then every single word has to be shot with a different camera shot or a different camera angle. And it's a really simple project. All kids can do it. Everybody could be successful at it. And you're really teaching them. There's about you know 30 plus different camera shots, camera angles that you can show them, and then have them uh, you know go out and try to replicate that. And my students have come up with really cool projects. And maybe that's not something in school. I've done the six-word story project before, but I never really thought to say 
you know, go do it on your basketball court at your house and shoot it with your iPhone instead of your Chromebook. So for me, that's that's the biggest change, just having them maybe use some hardware and even software. There's a great program called Clips that works on uh, iPhones that students mm -hmm. could use instead of or with Wii Video. Um, so that dynamic has changed, but the project, you know, has stayed the same to, you know, to start small. And Paula, when you were in school, what would be something that you would start your students with in middle school just to get them going either on the audio side with radio or on the video side with the TV part? One of the, well, one of the things you brought up was the camera angles and, um, you know, you know, we're actually media teachers, so that was one of the things that, you know, that we started out with um, so that they understand a little bit about what they're doing. But last year when all of this, you know, kind of started, uh, something new that I tried, and I honestly read something, you know, about this project somewhere, so I kind of adapted it. But I had my middle school students um, take a classic fairy tale modernize it and make it into a news report. And so they kind of had to put their own modern twist on it and they recorded themselves as a news show, you know, for the six o'clock news. And then they turned around and did it as a podcast. So then we put it on our radio. Interesting to see how they uh, changed the story based on whether they were in front of the camera or if they were just using their voice. So it ended up being a really fun project and it kind of took kids back to their childhood, which was um, actually a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that's terrific. And I always love how you have the audio and the video that you have the radio station there to eventually publish things along with, uh, you know, with the TV studio part. And that sounds like a terrific project. Um, you know, that you did with the students last year. Yeah, because I think a lot of times we forget about maybe the audio part and we focus a lot on video. And, you know, when you really think about it, teaching students to speak correctly and, you know, even speak off the cuff um, is actually a really important uh, skill that they need to learn how to do. So that is something I really like implementing in my classrooms. Yeah, Paula, that's very interesting how I always enjoy how you do the audio part along with the video part and you have places to you know publish both of them in your school and i think really an underestimated part of doing the video production is not only the audio of their voice but if you could set the scene with natural sound add sound in even sound effects um, that make it more come to life and I, I think that's a really important part when kids do project in any curriculum area is to try to pick the music and the sound effects that might match to really enhance something uh, that they're creating. Um, and the example that I used before, like even with the mood of a six word multimedia story, you know, what type of music would go with that and be in that short 30 seconds to, you know, make their product come to life. Mm -hmm. And I think kids know, know that they hear the sounds, but I think when they're creating it, a lot of times they're not thinking about how their voice sounds or to add in music or add in natural sound. Uh, but the sound is such an important part um, of producing anything in media. And the second point is I totally agree with you with, I always think of sounds from a sportscasting point of view that like when I hear some of these different sportscasters, their voices are very distinctive and they could take you to a place very quickly 
that you know that what type of game it is and you know who is announcing it and believe it or not sometimes if someone's voice does not sound whatever normal is if they have some type of you know accent or sounds a little bit different you know one thing for kids to think about and teachers is a lot of people also think different is distinctive so if i hear your voice and it sounds different than everyone else's then we know it's you who you know whatever project you're producing um, so sound and voice definitely um, is such an important thing and i know you did a lot with your students with getting their voice out and their voice heard and uh, part of it is to you know be as authentic as possible whatever you know stories they were telling mm -hmm. in fact one of the things that we did too uh, because students unfortunately do have a habit of uh, just using music that's popular right now and teaching them to use creative commons uh, you know when they're getting pictures and videos and music is also an important part of the instruction so with our radio, one of the things that we did is we really went back to the history of radio and how it started and did a, you know, kind of a, a several lessons on how to create your own sound effects. And that ended up being uh, another new lesson because students obviously had no idea how old time radio was done. And they had a lot of fun creating their own sound effects rather than just using completely digital. So that's another idea. Again, it doesn't have to be in a media class, but... Uh, one other idea, just because I'm talking about this, that I did in the English classes several years ago is uh, we kind of, well, actually humanities. So we were studying like the Tea Party and that era. So we had students uh, pretend like they were a radio broadcaster on scene, you know, at the Tea Party. And they did both a news report video and then did an audio report as to what they're seeing. So they had to have a clear picture of the historical part of that event and then that's how they incorporated technology. That, that sounds like such a great project and it comes back to also that, and this is a point that the three of us made in the book, the curriculum should be driving the project. So what they're studying, what's in the normal curriculum, whatever area you're teaching, try to do some project off of obviously what you want them to learn, but whatever the content would be could come from whatever that event is. And it's cool to do with historical events. You could even make it black and white, mm -hmm. put in different effects, dress like, you know, you're from uh, that time period. Right. That's what we um, did. It was great. <laughs> yeah. I would like to, I would like to see those. Those would be, yeah. uh, you know, cool to see and have, social studies teachers really from any era mm -hmm. right they could go yeah. replicate whatever you know the time period may be um the other thing i was thinking about which i give a shout out to doug green who's actually in carlsbad california is he does um, high school and also middle school and in the middle school i've never tried this but i would like to try it he does a whole foley artist project where a foley artist will go make the sounds of you know, feet walking on the ground, uh -huh. or when you hear a door opening, or you hear, you know, any of those noises, and maybe this would be a nice fit with remote learning, because most Foley artists come up with just normal things that they would have in their house, mm -hmm. um, you know, that they would go to create all of these sounds. And he actually does a project with his uh, media students where they rewrite um, not only the music, but all of the Foley things 
from a scene from a movie, but they take out all the sound and you know they they do their they do their own sounds. And I was lucky enough a couple of years ago I was in California and visited I think it was Warner Brothers Studios and they took us to the section like where the Foley artist works mm -hmm. and it's not a very big area. It, it was kind of like a big square area almost with like sand or like a pit and then all around the 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 place the foley artist had bottles and cans and like different things that you wouldn't think would make those noises mm -hmm. um but they did and I, I haven't tried that in remote learning but i'm kind of talking myself into it right now yeah i mean it's really a lot of fun especially when we did that with our radio show you know the ideas that students came up with to make you know, make the sounds. And it was, it was actually a lot of fun. Um, and kind of like what you're saying, I did an experiment like that too. We took a movie and our clip and we took the music out and the sound effects. And then we did basically the same thing. The students had to try to create completely different music. And then we examined how did that change how you felt during that movie, you know, how, you know and it, it was really interesting to listen to students going, I never really realized the impact that sound and music make in a movie. Um, so it's kind of a cool experiment to try. And it's so clear too, when you take the music out of anything and you just listen to it and there's like nothing, mm -hmm. I mean, it just, there's no mood at all. And, you know, frequently at the end of the movie, if they're doing credits and someone mm -hmm. had passed away that worked on the movie, like that's when you'll do something completely without sound at all. Right. But most of the time there's sound going, uh, you know, the whole time. And, um, you know, it's such an important thing. And the other thing I was thinking of in my head is, you know, really with people training their voices and getting not only your voice heard, but not all, but a lot of broadcasters that work in TV, a lot of them started in radio. Right. And the reason they started in radio was to get down their voice, diction, how they sounded, comfortable reading the script before they would even move over, you know, to the TV side that they, a lot of people, not all, but a lot of broadcasters started in the radio first. And it does make sense, even on TV, obviously you're watching the newscast or the person, mm -hmm. but same difference when you hear your favorite newscaster's voice and they're doing a story on the local news or national news, you know, you know who it is and you you get very familiar with hearing that voice and associating it with, you know, here's a person from network news. This is the 630 or the, you know, the nightly news that's on for the whole country. Um, you know, I think your brain kind of puts it together mm -hmm. that that sound means that this is news and other sounds can make you feel, uh, you know, different ways. So, you know, starting a project with something which we started our conversation with. I really think the easiest thing to do is take what you're doing in the classroom and just add a little media piece to it to start, you know, as simple as, you know, what you learned from class that day and do an audio exit ticket, maybe instead of having the kids write it down or mm -hmm. when they were in front of us, raise their hand to tell you what they learned um, and then move, maybe move towards a 30 second public service announcement or 30 second commercial you know, something that's short mm -hmm. that they can learn whatever tools you're using um, and then, you know, kind of scale it up to something bigger with their voice. And if you want to also add in video, that would be, you know, that would be terrific, too. Well, and one of the advantages 
of really media that we're talking about is, uh, you know, it can't be copied. Uh, there was a teacher on the news the other night uh, that was new to basically remote learning and just even technology. And, you know, she's like, she taught math and she said, you know, kids, she was finding out kids were just talking to Alexa, asking the answers and, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And when you, you know, enter the creative belt, that doesn't happen. So uh, it's a challenge to think what, what can we uh, have our students learn and produce that they can't copy, you know, that it has to be their own. So uh, that's why some, you know, that's I guess why we're really talking about this tonight is how can we use technology as a tool um, and not the end all. And the, any educational model that you look at, there's a bunch of them with higher order thinking skills mm -hmm. and learning skills create as always at the top of the pyramid or in the middle of the circle. However, you know, it's shown to you visually, it's always on top that if you can create something mm -hmm. and go through the whole brainstorming, planning, you know, recording, editing, and then publishing piece, that it's going to be, uh, you know, more powerful. And I agree with you. I mean, if you can have students create something, I think they not only enjoy it more, than maybe taking a test on something, but you're also hopefully gonna tap into their creativity mm -hmm. and come up with all different projects that the students could do while they're learning the same skills uh, that you wanna teach them. And I think that makes it not only more interesting for the teacher, but also for the other students, the day that someone goes to show their project, there's not 20 projects that are all the same. Mm -hmm. They might all be a podcast or a public service announcement or whatever you're creating, but they're all a little bit different and have, uh, you know, different meaning to them instead of being carbon copy that all 20 students now have mm -hmm. produced the same exact podcast or the same exact video. Um, I think for most is not going to be that interesting. Right. And I know that, you know, at home right now, your students specifically are doing their shows from home and, uh, you're doing a lot of interviews and that's something that could be incorporated in again to any subject area uh, you know that a student could do the research ahead of time put together uh, interview and they could interview their their own parent their sibling um, and you know produce that again as a podcast or a newscast something to that effect and I know you've incorporated that actually into your TV shows haven't you yeah I have of uh, just use who you have at home, whether it be parents or siblings. And I've also started this year, which I had never done in the past before the pandemic hit last March 13th, um, having kids interview other kids on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And they're really good at it. I mean, it takes them a little while to get everything coordinated. And I think they m most of them use Screencastify to record it, but you could also screen record it in Wii Video. And they've gotten better and better at that. And if you think about it, you know, you're not next to the other person. So you can't really read, you know, read them. It's a little bit more difficult when you're doing it on Zoom or online. Mm -hmm. um, but if you take a look at, you know, the local news, national news, that's where a lot of interviews are done now. They do them, you know, on whatever the platform may be right. just using Zoom because mm -hmm. that's what we happen to have. But mm -hmm. my point is that that's become more of the norm that the reporter doesn't have to go you know, from the East Coast out to the West Coast to go interview someone. Right. It's more just set up a time when you can video conference with them 
figure out the logistics of the time zones, which is a little tricky. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that's how a lot of those interviews are done now. And I think my students are just following suit that, you know, definitely interview the people that are at home. But if you have to interview one of your friends who's an expert on whatever the topic is or can answer questions about it, then one of the new tools that we have is video conferencing, not only for the teacher to use, but for students to use to interview and record each other. And they're getting better and better at it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a little bit of a difficult skill because again, you're not there with the other person. And a lot of times if you're asking, especially follow-up questions, you might be like reading them a little bit of, you know, you're in the same space as them. Sometimes it's a little bit easier than being a box on a Zoom call. And at the beginning today, we also talked about, uh, you know, getting started. And if you are in a school, let's say, um, one of the things we alluded to in the book and that you brought up at the beginning is that, you know, not everybody actually has a studio. In fact, very few people have a studio. Um, most of us started in the back of a classroom, um, which is where I, my radio station was. And um, if you are at home or whether you're at school, I thought, let's just bring up a few things you could start with. We know that, you know, a computer, which already has the camera in it and a microphone, um, and as far as a green screen, there are some really simple things that people can do at home or at school, and that's just taking a green sheet, or taking a sheet, excuse me, and uh, dyeing it green. <laughs> um, a really yeah. simple way to get a portable green screen for your students to get started. Um, there's simple, uh, inexpensive video cameras to use, which we uh, gave some suggestions in the book as well. But it doesn't cost thousands and thousands of dollars to get a program started. And sometimes uh, I, people are disillusioned, I think, with that fact. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, you know, the green screen idea is a terrific one at home and a very simple one to do if you don't want to go dye your parents' sheets to the dollar store and just get a green tablecloth that's in that color. Right. And you could put it up behind you and the green screen effect in mm -hmm. whether you're using WeVideo or something like Do Ink, um, any of those, it would work. It would work well. And it's interesting. One of the things I do with my students is I know they're home and we have green screens in school and they might not have that at home is WeVideo actually has built in green screen templates that yes. are part of the program that you can actually use and, excuse me, put yourself on billboards, put yourself mm -hmm. in different places, even put yourself in a newsroom where the TV is green and then whatever video or um, pictures they wanna play on that, they could really record it like they're on that TV set. And it's an interesting idea of, you know, doing green screen, but without going buying a green screen or have to mm -hmm. worry about, uh, you know, what's the lighting that you might have to, make the green screen work correctly that um, I do that with my students a lot in we video and even when we had the green screen and with students in front of me still a lot of the times they really like the templates that were in uh, we video and another interesting thing I've seen with the green screen is um, Darren white he's an educator from GEG um, global GEG he's actually from England and what he does is just in Google slides he just, you know, takes a picture and then he'll take the correct color of green and make a green box over like a movie screen. And then he just saves that as a JPEG mm -hmm. and then imports it into WeVideo. And lo and behold, 
like he made his own green screen template on the computer. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that difficult to do either in PowerPoint or in Google Slides. Um, and that would be then, you know, another skill the students would be doing um, either way, whether in, they're in school or home. It's kind of cool to make your own green screen template um, that you can import into WeVideo and then use that instead of, you know, having to go out and get if you don't have, uh, you know, the green screen. It's just another another way to do it. And it's the same concept of taking the green out and putting your layer underneath of the video or the picture. And that's part of the learning, too, is to, you know, provide students, all right, here's, here's what the product is. You figure out how to get there. Because um, sometimes, you know, we may be getting a bad habit of feeding them everything they need to to get something accomplished. And it's kind of nice to go, all right, here's the end product. Now, here's your tools. You figure out how's this going to work. No, definitely. And I, I encourage my students all the time of, you know, what I'm telling you and the directions I'm giving you are like the basics to go out and to create your video uh, project. But, you know, go in all different directions and try experiment with different things, whether it be audio things, video things, green screen, uh, you know, try to do something a little bit different that we've done so many TV shows in my school that the kids are used to like what the video features would look like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they kind of get into the habit of, you know, this has to come first, this has to come second, this has to come third. And no, it doesn't. I mean, that's the way a lot of kids produce their features. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll give you like a simple example, like most of the kids will do their establishing shot or where something's taking place in the beginning of their feature to show like if it's happening in the gym or auditorium. But yet, if you watch a lot of professionals, a lot of times their stand up is like right dab in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like They start telling the story in the beginning of whatever it may be. And then right in the middle of the piece is actually where they're doing the stand up in front of the school or, you know, wherever it may be. So my point is, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, done in a certain way. And I think that's important when teachers are giving these projects to students, you want them to learn the skills, but you want it to be open ended that you don't want to get 20 projects that look exactly the same. You know, you want to try to get 20 projects that look completely different, mm -hmm. even though they're learning the same skills, whether they're producing audio or video, or even if they're doing slideshows and making them multimedia, mm -hmm. uh, you want them on all different topics. So again, to me, it's more interesting as a teacher, you know, we're showing these five videos today that there are five different types of videos, whether they're interviews or top 10 list or a review of a place that they're not all cookie cutter that they interviewed three people in the school and you know this is what the project mm -hmm. turns out to be for our particular TV show. And you know when you talked about that a second ago I brought up uh, the one minute films that I did with my beginning classes and I did something similar I threw out uh, you know this has got to be a minute film and every single film has to be shot five feet within a door uh, there has to be some kind of a strange sound either coming from either side of the door. You're either trying to get in or you're trying to get out, and somehow you have to include keys dropping, and those were like the five elements, and from there, everybody created a one-minute film, and you know, every year that I did this, I tell them at the beginning, I've never, ever had a film that looked like another one. There's like, there's no way. And they're like, well, go ahead and try it. And to this day, not one single film has been the same. 
And it's probably one of the, yeah, that's one of my favorite mini projects to do, especially when they're learning film production. And I think that really teaches the students, you know, everybody has their own creativity of how they're going to do things, even if, you know, they're given the same five things in this particular case or mm -hmm. told to have the same directions to produce something. Um, obviously, you want to encourage them to make it their own, you know, and to be their own and not for every single, you know, project to, you know, to be the same. So this has been a great conversation, Paul. I think we've given people a lot of yeah. ideas of start with the curriculum, start with what you have, hardware, hardware side, just start with what you have, whether it's the students' phones or their Chromebooks or iPads. It doesn't really matter what anyone has in their district, but almost every single device almost has that microphone, mm -hmm. has that camera built in, and you know it might not be the best quality camera that's built into some chromebooks but regardless you know the quality in the beginning is not the most important thing the most important thing is the content or the story or how they're showing their understanding of the curriculum mm -hmm. so those are the two basic things of start with what you have and i wouldn't you know exclude or throw out projects teachers were doing but just include this as an add-on of a choice mm -hmm. um, that they could make a video of the project instead of writing the paper or taking the test or whatever other choices teachers may give them um, and you know see how it goes. And the hardest part, I think, is to get started. And then once you get started and catch the bug and the kids are excited about it, I think educators will do it more and more across all curriculum areas to create media. Right. And I, I just want to add that on our website, uh, scriptededucators.com, we have a page that is uh, devoted to student samples. So, you know, anybody can go take a look and we're, we're changing that, you know, every week there'll be new and different ideas on there. But just to give everyone a, a sense of some things you can do no matter what you're teaching. Now, that's a great idea. And on our website, we have the link to we video and actual link to the resources of we video is to their page where they have different exemplars too that people have done throughout the country and throughout the world and they're also categorized on the we video resource page for teachers where you can look up some green screen examples look up by grade level they have them you know differentiated out and it, it is nice to see different examples of what you could be creating and then the fun part is to make it your own and also see what the students create once you set them free and let them you know go create whatever the project is because that's what it's all about i think we'll wrap it up here and uh, we want everybody to know that we will be on every monday for a new episode at uh, 7 a.m and you can uh, hear us in a number of places. Uh, we are on TuneIn, so if you can download the TuneIn app on your phone, um, on our website, on our radio, and there's also uh, the RSS feed for the episodes themselves. So um, anything else, Bruce, you'd like to end with here? No, this was so much fun having a conversation of where to start, and my mind is going now on the Foley project of what type of things could I find around the house to make different noises and maybe have the kids do the same thing? Um, it would be cool to incorporate into any project. And again, I hope from our conversations that we're giving people ideas that they can go and try in the classroom and you know, taking educators and 
letting them know that one they could do it and you know just set the students free and you'll be amazed that with their creativity and what students at any age level k through 12 uh, can create said it perfectly so i'm not even going to add to that um, so we want to thank everybody for joining us this morning and uh, have a great week and we will be back again following monday Scripted, An Educator's Guide to Media in the Classroom is a resource book for all educators providing scope and sequence for digital media in the classroom. It is your recipe guide to creating a successful digital media model in your school at any level. Scripted can be purchased through Edumatch Publishing, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. For more information, go to www.scriptededucators.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week for another episode of Scripted Conversation with Paula, Bruce, and Randy.